I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and as you pray with me, I'll ask our uh, AV person up there to bring up the second slide of the scripture. So we're going to start by reading a little bit of it again. Um, So if you are the praying kind, please pray with me. God of grace, mercy, and power. God of share and share alike. God of wonders and signs. God of the church then and the church now. God of communion of all. Be with us today. Guide us and lead us, love us and care for us. Save us and baptize us in your water and fire. God, help us to know you, to be transformed by you, to choose you together, and to live differently because of what we have found in one another and in you who made us. And if we should not, if we should harm each other or this world that we share, help us to figure it out, to repent, which just means to turn around, and to find you in the second and third and thousandth chances that Jesus Christ has always offered. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple and broke bread at home. It sounds so beautiful. And I bet it was. These converts newly awakened to the love of God, to who Jesus was, to what his sacrifice meant, to what the resurrection could be in their lives. And I I wonder how long it lasted. (laughs) I wonder how many days they held it together, this share and share alike. I wonder how many weeks They kept breaking bread together at home as well as in the temple. I wonder how long it lasted. I wonder how long they kept it going because uh, the rest of the New Testament would indicate that most of the church then (laughs) looked like most of the church now, not of one mind, heart, or experience. You only have to read Galatians 1 or Corinthians 1 to see people fighting with each other the same way you see people fighting with each other now. You only have to read uh, into Romans or any of the other letters to read Philemon to see that the inequality that meant that things were not being shared alike was just as present in the church of then as it is in the church of now. And yet we have this description of this moment this beautiful moment where people managed it for however long they did, for five days or 15 or a month, where they managed it to live with sharing and kindness and the conviction that all were wa- who wanted to be were a part of the body of Christ in which we would find one another and find God. I wonder about this um, because I love Jesus, (laughs) and because God has changed my life, and because I want to be able to live like this with other people. But I also wonder about this, um, because this part of Acts is something that people quote a lot when they say that they're going to fix the church, right? Or they're going to fix Christianity, or fix faith, or fix spirituality. A lot of people will say, 
we're going to go back to this time, right? We're going to erase everything that has been. We're going to go back to Acts 2. We're going to be just like the early church. I don't know how many of you have heard this, right? We're going to be just like the early church. We're going to figure it out by this silver bullet, this way of organizing ourselves, or this way of praying, or this way of eating, this way of being, and we're going to figure it out. We're going to go back to this perfect moment of the early church. And all of that nonsense that came after, all of that fighting <laughs> in Corinthians and Galatians, it'll be erased. We can go back to this moment. We can be people who share, people who know how to do it right. And um, I'm not sure that that's the call of Christian living. I think the sharing is the call of Christian living. I think the knowing God and knowing the Holy Spirit is the call of Christian living, but I don't know that the going back is. I don't know that the silver bullet is. I don't know that the one big thing is the way of Christian living. I read a book called The Space Between Us when I was in seminary uh, many years ago, and it changed my life. It was a book on Christian urbanism, so basically a city planner who also loved Jesus and wanted to talk about why. Um, and, and he said this thing that I think about all of the time that I have never stopped thinking about, which is we did come from Eden, but the call of Jesus is not to go back there. We're marching to Zion. The kingdom looks like something new. The goal of a life transformed by God is not to erase whatever has been hard or whatever has been harmful or whatever has gone wrong, the goal is to move through it, to move with it, to honor it and acknowledge it and transform it into something more redemptive, more merciful, more loving, and more new. We did come from Eden, and Eden was great, but we're marching to Zion. We're transforming and creating into something new together. Jesus, when he was resurrected, right, Jesus lives and dies and was resurrected and was lifted up. And in each of those stages of his experience, we find something about what it means to be a person, something about what it means to follow God. When he was resurrected, it wasn't an erasure of his life or of his death. When he comes back, he's still got wounds on his hands, right? Yes, he is resurrected. Yes, there is hope. Yes, there is love. Yes, there is justice. And all of that stuff did happen. All of that hard stuff is real. All of the pain is a part of our experience. And we can't go back. We can only go forward. We can only go forward together. And I've been meditating on this because we're in the middle of our Flux sermon series. Our Flux sermon series, which is all about change and transition. How do we engage spiritually with change and transition? What is the point of change and transition? How do we handle it when it comes? What does it mean for us and what does it mean for God? Because I really hate to break it to you if you've been holding on, uh, but you cannot avoid change. It's happening, <laughs> right? Uh, if some part of your soul was like, no, I have found the job or the place or the relationship or the life that's gonna be the thing for the rest of my life, Honey, I am so sorry, but that is probably not true. <laughs> Something is coming. Change is coming for you. Change is the reality of the world. Change is nature. Change is love. Change is life. And my goodness, my goodness, wouldn't things be hard and boring without it? But to change well, 
to change faithfully, to change in a way that um, makes us and the world better, closer to mercy and justice and love, is something that takes intention. It's something that takes what the scripture calls devotion and work and action. It won't just happen automatically. Um, I, you saw my children discovering where the band instruments are hidden, uh, and which is gonna be an issue for the weeks to come. Um, but I have two kids, one's four and one's 16 months old. And um, I hate to tell you this if you're thinking about having kids and you think that this will happen to you, but my, with my first child, I really thought that being a mom would change me. You know, like I thought, okay, you have this baby, you become a mom, and you become a different person, you know? You become more selfless. You become more able to be wise. You become better at making the right decision because those were all the things that I experienced in my parents. <laughs> those were all the things I knew I would need to shepherd the lives of babies and children. And much to my surprise, <laughs> I had this baby, and the next day, I had not changed. <laughs> None of these magical, wonderful qualities had come to me. <laughs> uh, I still wanted to sleep in every single morning, you know? I still wanted all the same things I wanted before. I still made the same percentage of dumb and wise decisions that I made before. I was as selfish and as selfless in equal parts as I had been before. Being a mom had not changed me. <laughs> Uh, and it was a little bit of a shock uh, to see how much of myself was still around when this giant transition had happened. But would I say that being a mom has changed me now, four years later? Absolutely. <laughs> Fundamentally, at the core of my being and in every one of my cells and in every one of my instincts, it has changed me, just not the way I thought. I thought it was gonna be this silver bullet kind of change, right? I find the way that I wanna live my life, I act on it, and I transform. But it turns out the way that I changed was that for four years, every day I have still wanted to sleep in, and for 99% of them, I have chosen not to. <laughs> I have woken up because maybe a child is stepping on my face, or mostly <laughs> because I know I need to, to care for them. I have had as many selfish instincts as I had before, and I have chosen to feed the kids before I feed myself because they need it more and they are smaller. <laughs> I have been transformed not by magic, not by a silver bullet, but I've been transformed by choosing over and over again the life that I chose first. And if I see anything in the early church, it's that, right? Yes, the Holy Spirit has come to them. Yes, the Pentecost is real and there is fire and there is hope and there are miracles and signs and wonders. But the, the real miracle of the early church isn't the signs and the wonders that they say they saw in the disciples. It's that after they saw them, they chose every day to share with one another whatever the other folks needed. They woke up every day and chose I will not keep it all to myself today. They woke up every day and chose, I will care about others as much as I care about myself today, even if I don't feel like it, even if it's not easy. To repent, this invitation that Peter makes, to repent and be baptized. To repent means to turn around, right? We've turned it into sort of like 
feel guilty enough, this like affective state. Repentance is not an emotion. It's a thing that you do. <laughs> you realize that the way that you're going is hurting yourself or hurting others, or quite simply, just not working. And so you start going in a different direction. You start doing and acting something else. And that's what the early church figured out some way to do for some period of time, and that's where I find the hope. Not that I'm going to find some magic way of accessing the Holy Spirit that's going to make Pentecost come upon me and all of a sudden make it easier in one day for me to be a way better person than I've ever been in my life before. <laughs> but that if with you guys, if with the rest of the church universal, if with the rest of the people who are trying out this thing, we decide together to try and choose each day, to choose each other, to choose love, to choose the sacrifices that might come with choosing one another and justice and love and risk and bravery, that we will be transformed through the choosing, through the choosing into people that we never thought we could be, but more importantly, into communities that we never thought were possible, into a world of more love and more mercy and more justice and more faith that we didn't know was possible. Change comes for us all. Good change, bad change, change that you're not sure whether it's good for you or not. The question is not, um, has the right change come to me? Do I need to make another change to counterbalance this change that I don't like? Right? My change in job, my change in place, my change in age and feeling. The question is, are you responding to the change by choosing the values you believe to be those that should direct you in the world? Are you responding to the change by choosing love and mercy in whatever ways are possible within the set of constraints you're facing? Are you responding to whatever change you're facing by choosing the people around you as well as yourself, sharing as well as hoarding, and being brave enough to believe that that choosing is no risk if it moves towards love and towards God and towards Jesus because anything that moved towards that in the end is worth it, whatever risk you may find. Some of you know, um, this, this is your first Sunday at Urban Village, you don't know, but if it's not, you may have heard, we're going through some change here at the church, at Urban Village. Um, we have always been a church, uh, always, we've been around for nine whole years, and for those nine whole years that we have been around, we have been a church that has been transformed by sharing more than most churches do. Um, I've served at a couple different churches throughout my time. They have all been extraordinary, beloved. I've never met a church that didn't have spiritual gifts. I've never met a church that wasn't doing something wonderful in the world. But I have experienced a unique beauty in what Urban Village does, which is share across multiple churches, basically, right? We're one church, but we're also five. We have these different sites that share money, that share wisdom, that share staff, that share ideas. And in that sharing, I have found myself able to choose different things than I thought I could. Challenged by my colleagues in what anti-racism really means, or in what Wesleyanism really means, or in what having a prayer practice can look like. Challenged by others to share more than we thought was possible and I have been transformed by choosing it. And in the next six months, we're gonna start transitioning into doing a little more sharing than we've done before through a new staff structure that you all voted on at the end of the spring. 
where our pastors are gonna be rotating a little bit more than they have before. You're still gonna have a site pastor who loves you and cares for you, um, and they're gonna be working with another site. You're still gonna have a pastor who develops sermons and, and uh, small groups, and they're gonna be working with the other sites. Um, and we think that through that additional sharing, we're all gonna become stronger, we're all gonna become more connected, we're all gonna become more loving, but if we are gonna figure out whether or not that's the case, it's gonna take us all choosing it <laughs> every day. Choosing to give it a try, choosing to be honest about the parts of it that don't work so we can tweak it together, and choosing most of all in whatever we do, at church and at work and our families as change comes for us as it will, choosing love above all else. Choosing that there is some way, however much this change is frustrating me, scaring me, hurting me, um, there is some way in the midst of it that I can choose love every day and so be empowered and so changed. Not in an instant, not by magic, but by the way God changes us, which is um, through our freedoms, through our freedom to choose, through our freedom to connect. And over time, through those little choices every day, those little connections over day, every day, total transformation of our lives. It's the only way <laughs> change ever works. The number one thing um, that I tell people when they're sort of having a spiritual awakening, this conversion, right, that the disciples are experiencing, here's something I see all the time also in myself, right, so I'm not reading anybody, like this is also a part of me. Um, you have a spiritual experience that reminds you of how extraordinary God is, and you're like, I want to meditate every day for 90 minutes. I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible every single morning. I'm going to connect with three new people who need something from me and do 10 acts of kindness every afternoon. And then within two days, it's dead. It's done. None of the changes have occurred. It was all far too much. It was all way too hard to do that much change at once. And you came into contact with yourself. And you were like, uh-oh, I cannot sustain this. What I tell people is, Five minutes a day, you know? Whatever the new thing is, whether it's adjusting to a change that's hard for you, whether it's loving a person who's difficult for you, whether it's connecting to God, five minutes a day. And it's the sustaining over time. It's the choosing over time that will transform you and make more possible. So we're gonna do that in every possible way. Choosing in our spirituality, choosing in our community, choosing in our love, following the example of Peter and the disciples, not so that we might return to them, return to an imaginary past of people who weren't us in a place that isn't ours, but following their example of choosing love, choosing God, and choosing their values each day, even when it's hard, so that in our time, as us people, with the God that we have met, we find and create something new and extraordinary as we march towards Zion together, the promise of a kingdom in which mercy, justice, and love are possible 